Welcome to another edition of Bills by the Numbers presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Coming up, what has happened to Buffalo's fast starts on offense? We dive into the numbers to investigate. Has Devin Singletary declared himself as the team's primary back? Steve is tested on the top yards per carry backs in Bills history. And we ask our one burning question. Let's get Holly and Jolly. Glad you could join us here on Bills by the Numbers. Merry Christmas to everyone listening out there. This week, we're taking a closer look as to what's afoot concerning Buffalo's ability to get an early lead in games. Chris Brown and Steve Tasker here with you as always. And after scoring on their opening possession in five of their first six games this season en route to a 4-2 and two record, the Bills offense has scored just once on their opening drive in their last five games where they have a record of two and two. Now, Steve, getting an early lead is not the end-all be-all for winning games, but what do you make of the struggles for Buffalo's offense in terms of getting off to a fast start? I think they've proven what they're going to do to team defenses when they come into games. The Bills are, the Bills are who they are, and they're not going to deviate from it. I think uh, perhaps last year there was some doubt as to what you thought the Bills might do. It certainly as the season wore on, it got more difficult, but the Bills were – you know, playing so well up front last year, uh, they were overcoming it. I think this year, teams know exactly what they're going to get, and they have a good plan for it. Uh, Plus, the problems they've had up front with the shuffling of their offensive line, it's hard for them to win the line of scrimmage consistently enough to have Josh drop back and sling it. I am reminded of Seattle head coach Pete Carroll's comment after their Week 9 game against the Bills last year when he said – I really thought they were going to try to run the ball at least a little bit. Right. So that air of not knowing what was coming was very much there last year. But now all these defensive coordinators have had a full off season to dissect in every way, shape and form what it is the Bills do throughout the course of a game. But most importantly, at the beginning of a game. And I agree with you. I think they do have a bead on what the Bills like to do at the beginning of football games. I do agree also that the offensive line and the shuffling therein has compromised their effectiveness as well. We've seen pre-snap penalties compromise this team's ability to stay on the field, convert on third down due to long down and distance situations that those penalties create. It all rolls into it, and I think it has made them a little bit less effective right from the jump in football games. And we know too, Steve, that when the ideal approach for this offense or this team in general is to get up early, force the opponent to have to throw the ball, which plays right into the heart of what Buffalo's defense does best. That holds them down on the scoreboard. You build on the lead and you coast to victory. That formula hasn't worked as often as they would like this season. We've seen it on occasion early in the season with a couple of blowout victories. Maybe most recently on Thanksgiving, they get up early on an injury riddled Saints team and the formula plays out and it's 31 to six at the end of the game. Against some of the more competitive teams, it's been harder to come by. So one might ask, how often did the Bills score on their first possession last year on their way to a 13-3 record? Because we were just saying they were more successful in doing so. The answer is seven of their games. They scored in their opening drive in seven of their 16 regular season games last year. Their record in those games, 6-1. But in the nine other games when they did not score on their opening possession, they were 7-2. Right. So 
I, I think that proves that it's not the end-all, be-all. But the question becomes, how important is getting off to a fast start and putting points on the board early? And is it more beneficial against some opponents as opposed to others? Certainly every game's different. And I think every team that you're playing, your opponent, will react differently. Um, for instance, you know, depending on what their record is, how successful they've been up to that point. I yeah. mean, last year you, you mentioned it, the Seattle game. Th those were good football teams. The Rams coming into Buffalo, the Seattle Seahawks coming into Buffalo, yep. and the Bills absolutely crushed them in the first couple of minutes of those games, jumped out to big leads. They had no answer defensively for what Buffalo was doing, and that right. carries over into subsequent possessions for the Bills later on in the game. The pressure's not on the offense anymore. It's totally on the defense, and they have to really stretch to the limit of their schemes and their abilities in desperation to try and stem the tide right. of the Bills going touchdown, touchdown, touchdown on their first three possessions. They did it against the Rams, and I think it did. they had a lot of early success against the Seahawks as well. That really bashes the collective mindset of your opponent when you come out and just hit them like that. Much like the the uh, the New the uh, New England Patriots went through last week with the Indianapolis Colts, twenty to nothing, boom. Well, now what are we going to do? We got to do something here different. Yeah, that affects the way these guys take the field every possession when they know they're in this. With you, you're either in a hole or you're coasting to victory in some way, shape, or form. I do think that a fast start is more beneficial, though, against some teams as opposed to others. Last year, for example, the game against San Francisco, a team that likes to run the ball, build a lead, play good defense, the Bills, despite having an early turnover in that game, jumped on them, got ahead on the scoreboard. We remember then-defensive coordinator Robert Sala putting his hands up, checking for rain, like, what do I do? Right. Like, I, can't, I can't do anything to stop this guy, Josh Allen. And they coast to victory there in the end. I think this year, this weekend against the Patriots, a fast start is critical to beating the Patriots because you saw it last week when they played the Colts, as you just referenced. You get up early on that New England team. Now the burden is put on Mac Jones to deliver chunk plays, score quicker, to get back in the football game. And that's when problems can arise for that Patriots offense. He turned the ball over twice, um, and it resulted in points for the Colts. Right. So for the Bills this week against this opponent, a fast start is critical because if you can get up 14-0 on the Patriots and you're halfway through the second quarter, Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick have to think differently. They have to put more on Mac Jones' plate instead of riding the running game and hoping it gets them back in the football game. Same thing with the Colts. You play the Colts in the playoffs, you better get up on that team early and force them to put the ball in Carson Wentz's hand more than Jonathan Taylor's. So I yeah. think getting off to a fast start does have its benefits against certain opponents like that. Yeah, I, and I see that, no question. But I think also there are certain teams like – I think the New England Patriots are a perfect example. They, are, they do not flinch in close games. They do not. They, they are very stick comfortable. stick with the run game longer They are is what very comfortable. I think you've almost got to get into the second half with a double-digit lead before they start thinking about, okay, we've got this many possessions left and they're doing – you know. We, they'll start playing that game about how many possessions yeah. we have left before they actually start breaking out. I think they carry their game plan longer, deeper into a deficit on the scoreboard than most teams do. And I think Mac Jones is a reason for that. And also I think their experience is a reason for that. And their defense is a reason for that. They got a lot of trust on the other side of the football, very different uh, new England 
Patriots football team this year than we saw a year ago. True. They are very solid on the defensive side of the football, and they don't. They know nobody's going to be able to run off and leave them on the scoreboard, so they're very content to keep Mac Jones under wraps. I mean, we're we're 16 weeks into the season, but it's his first season, yeah. and while he has he has progressed, I mean, I, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that hasn't been impressed with him. Well, he's been the best rookie quarterback in the Absolutely. class by far. Absolutely, and 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 he got into now, a perfect situation. Well, yeah. They know how to handle it, and he's got a good running game and a good defense. That's why. I mean, that's I what mean, Ben Roethlisberger walked into in Pittsburgh. That's in exactly 04. right, and that's what most teams don't get the fact. That you got to do that ahead of the quarterback you're going to get. Yeah. You don't wait till you got him and, and and wipe your hands and say, "Okay, now we got this young quarterback. Let's go." You need a running game and you need a defense. The Patriots put that together for him in the offseason before he was ever on the roster. They didn't care if it was Mac Jones or Justin Fields or anybody else. Yeah, they they knew they were going to have a guy and they prepared their roster and built their built their team to support a young player. Yeah, but I think the Colts provided the litmus test. Get a couple early scores. Mac Jones has to throw a little more. They get a turnover because he throws a pick. They score again. Now it's 20 nothing, and now you have the Patriots right where you that want them because kick, now they yeah. need Mac Jones to throw the football, and that's where you want to put that team if you're going to beat him. And that's why a fast start this week is probably important. Buffalo scored 90 first-quarter points last year, and right now through 14 games played this season, they have 71. They were a plus 49 in point differential in the first quarter last year. Right now, they're a plus 36. If they play, if they score a touchdown a game, remaining games, they're right back to where they were a year ago with one extra game. Right. And, I mean, over their last five games, Steve, the Bills haven't failed to score on their opening drive in four of them. They've been unable to score in the first quarter at all. Right. They're a minus 15 in the first quarter in their last five games, and they have failed to score any points in the first quarter in three of those five games. So it's not just an opening drive situation. It's a full first quarter yeah. where they're having trouble putting points on the board. I don't want to say the offense is sleepwalking, but they're certainly not producing There's a, early in me. games here. Now, with the, with, real quick, with the exception of the Colts game, Buffalo's defense has held them in the game where right. it hasn't dramatically impacted the offensive game plan. But what are the potential pitfalls when the offense can't put points on the board in the first quarter? Well, I mean... In it's, I think it's less for Buffalo than his other teams because they throw the football anyway. So they're an, they can an climb open, back in. They can climb back in and in a hurry with Josh and, and this offense built the way it is. I think, but I keep pounding on a dead horse. I know it's the offensive line getting a feel for who, who not forget the defense. They're trying to get to know each other. I mean, you got a different right guard because he was right tackle last week. Now he's left. He's right guard. You got your right tackle. Now he's back out to right tackle, and your right tackle is over at left tackle this week. You got a different left guard because now, you know, you've got, you know, he's, well, actually, your left guard and your center have been pretty steady over the last month and a half, and now you got a different right guard because uh, Cody Ford has been in and out of the lineup. It has been an absolute train wreck up front with who's playing and who's not. And to get off on a fast start, that's what continuity gives you. It's the ability to do things without thinking about it. You've got to get these guys are getting to know each other in the first two or three yeah. series, plus having to deal with what the defensive game plan is against them. So getting off to a fast start is virtually impossible up front. And if you're not going to win up front because you're still getting to know each other, that's you're there's your hope, problem. You're, you're just hoping to be functional. Yeah. Uh, let alone, you know, run, you run can't points function up at a high level. Board. And you got a quarterback who's a franchise quarterback. He can't do his job because he's he's running for his life. We saw that. We saw that to a T last week 
against Carolina, and you certainly saw it against Tampa Bay early yep. on in those two games. Josh Allen's running around like, what are you doing up there? Yeah. And it just took them that long before they started getting a handle on it, and they said, okay, now they settled in. If they can get around that and maybe have maybe another game with the same five guys, or probably not this week. It's going to be different this week. I don't know who you're going to have back. That, you can't get out. off to a fast start when your offensive line is different than it was the week before, and they've had limited number of snaps during the week to prepare for this. That's You want to talk about why they're struggling up to get out of the gate in these games? Those five guys up front are the number one reason for yeah. me, and, that, and that's not going to change. And it's never seemingly the same five, and that's part of the problem. An offshoot of this first-quarter scoring discussion deals with first down. Last year, the Bills led the league in passing percentage on first down at about 61%. Through 14 games this season, the Bills on first and 10 have thrown the ball a league high 63.7% of the time. The only teams that come close to them are the Giants at 61% and the Raiders at 60.5%. One might deem that percentage as too predictable, but it seems to work for the Bills because through Week 15 action, Buffalo is first in the AFC in yards per play on first down, averaging 6.21 yards per play, second to only San Francisco at 6.52. That has obviously helped Buffalo convert third downs at a rate of 45.6%, good for third best in the league. So when you're at the top of your conference, Gaining yards on first down by throwing almost two-thirds of the time, you roll with it, don't you? Yeah. It's successful. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting, too, that the San Francisco is not one of the top teams at throwing on first down. No. And they're still at the top. Um, they run very well, but that yeah. works for them. Yeah, that's good. I was a little shocked by that number. Uh, I didn't realize the Bills were throwing that much on first down, but they are. More and than I, last I, year. I don't have a problem with it. And I, and I, I look back to two games ago in Tampa Bay where, you know, Devin Singletary touched the ball on five of the first six plays, I think, in that game. Oh, Tampa Bay, Josh was the only one that carried uh, – was that the game he, was uh, he the only yeah, one he that carried it. the football? He, they were all yes, catches. Yes, he threw it. Yes. They were all catches. I see what you're saying. Okay. And, um, and they, couldn't get down, they couldn't get the ball down the field. He, he checked it down, you know – A decent amount. A yeah. decent amount. And – I guess that's one of the ways that they've, you know, evolved away from, you know, sp spreading it out. But if they at any point get a feeling that Josh is going to have time to throw the football, you can bet that they're going to do it even more rather than less. And the Bills apparently own first down on both sides of the ball because they're also first in the AFC in first down defense where they give up only 4.65 yards per play, which is tops in the league. That's a big reason why they're fourth in the league in third down defense and can get off the field. But I think we would argue that if the offense can't get back to putting up points in the first quarter, or if they can get back to that, it will facilitate the defense's ability to do what it does best, which is defend the pass. Because if Buffalo's offense is up early on the scoreboard, it's going to force those Bills opponents to have to throw the football. We saw right. that a ton last year. Right. I mean, yeah. Denver, the thing about that Denver game, they jump on them early. And now Drew Locke's got to throw the ball all around the field. That's yeah, a recipe for disaster for the Broncos. Putting your opponent in desperate mo desperation mode offensively, it can lead to them doing some because you're not playing in a vacuum. And most of these, even Denver last year, and and you know certainly New England, Indianapolis, you go down the list. You put those offenses in desperation mode. They're going to make some things happen. They're going to go drop back and they're they're going to take some risk. But they're good players too. But the problem is they're not used to doing it. And sooner or later, it bites them. They're going to turn it over. They're going to get a tip pass for an interception. They're going to throw it in a – they're going to miss on a third and six. 
and they're going to have to punt the football away. Uh, they get into this desperation mode, and you do start giving up some yards and some plays to them, but sooner or later, that desperation mindset bites them, and it's it's hard to play consistently at a high level for that long well, throughout three quarters or two and a half quarters of a football game. Especially against a pass defense like this, which, as we mentioned on this very show, Bills by the Numbers a couple of weeks ago, had the lowest opponent passer rating in the league. It was like 66.7 or something right. for quarterbacks against the Bills. The final part of our discussion deals with third-year back Devin Singletary. Everyone knows that last week he held down rushing duties pretty much from wire to wire in the win over Carolina, which was unique for Buffalo's offensive backfield. Matt Breida was the only one that had a carry in the entire game who wasn't named Josh Allen. It's largely been a mixed bag approach, though, with the backs this season. Did the almost exclusive usage of Singletary against Carolina provide us with an indication as to how the playing time for the backs might look going forward, or do you think it was specifically game plan related to that game against Carolina? I think it was the way the game played out. I think this. Okay. I, I think the way we've seen Sean McDermott and Brian Dable run their personnel on the field is moment by moment they're evaluating who's who's got the hot hand. I think Singletary having the day he did, twenty two carries, was a lot most all season. I think that was part of the way the game that that game was going, um, and with the offensive line that they had out there. I think it had more to do with that moment in particular. I don't think they're reticent to, to keep rotating guys in, and I think that will continue. So if they put Breida in there and he snaps off a 20-yard run, you can bet he's going to get it again. Yeah. I don't think this is a, a, a change in philosophy. No, I don't. I don't think that game points toward, okay, we're going to change what we've done for four years now. I don't think a change in philosophy, but what do you think about back usage? Do you think it's Devin's job going forward – no matter how much or how little they utilize I, the run game. Is it him and him alone is the question No, here. I don't think so. I, okay. Now, he's going to be the lead guy for a minute here, no question. But I don't think there's gonna, they're going to hesitate to rotate Breida in or Zach Moss in for that, that matter either. I mean, Zach Moss can't even be can't up on, on game day right. lately. That's, that's a little eyebrow-raising uh, that Zach Moss has seemingly regressed in his playing time. But I don't think that this is a signal – except for the fact that if Singletary continues to be successful, you're going to see a lot of him. I, I think the thing that we get to here, and I'm trying to put myself in the coach's room and the discussions that take place therein, Brian Dable, Sean McDermott, Bobby Johnson, whoever else is in there, I, I see them having this discussion. Our running game gives us limited production week to week. What is the lesser of all evils in this discussion? Because we don't have a great answer for our running game anywhere aside from Josh Allen, who you could argue is probably their most dangerous running threat, especially in the red zone. So you, you sit down and you say, what is, the, what is the lesser of the evils here? And you come to Singletary, I think. And the reason why is because very rarely does he have a carry for loss. Last week, perfect example, he has 22 carries in the game. He has one for no gain, one for minus one. Everything else is positive yardage. It may only be one or two, but it's not putting you behind the sticks. Yeah. And I think this offensive staff says to themselves, who gives us the best chance 
to at least stay on schedule when we run the football. That's probably right. where they are, right, with this right. run game, I, and I think the answer is Singletary. This running, the running game and the situation it finds itself in, particularly with this last Carolina game, it's about Devin Singletary more than it is the coaches. I think he's making the decision. And those guys, the way they make their – have always made it. If the guy's doing what he's doing, that's the guy. Um, I think it's about Devin Singletary making the decision rather than the coaches. And the, the making way, with the decision for them, you mean, by the for way them, he's playing. With his play. And I think, you know, Breed is sitting over there going, well, I ain't going to get in as long as he's doing that. I'm not getting they, – they, right. it's, it's a known thing. Uh, so I don't think – you know, now it would have been interesting – not interesting, but, you know, the only thing we've seen here is if you drop a pass or fumble the ball – well, then all bets are off. All bets are off. <laughs> Everything changes. We've right. seen that a, a hundred well, ha- times. That happened to Breida in the New England game. We have seen right that a hundred times. I mean, Breida had even better production in the passing game and the run game. Small sample size. Right. But in a two-game stretch, he had great production. Had touchdowns, too. Then he fumbles the ball on a bad exchange with, with Josh Allen in the New England game. Opportunity lost. And now Devin right. Singletary has filled the breach. Right. And that's where we are now. So we'll have, it'd be very interesting to see where it goes going forward. Daily fantasy players. Right now, new customers can get a 20% deposit bonus up to $500 on your first deposit. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash Bills. That's FanDuel.com slash Bills. FanDuel, the official partner of the Buffalo Bills. We move along to the numbers game, where we see how good Steve's memory is with respect to Bills ball carriers through the years. Singletary is currently averaging 4.7 yards per carry this season, which leads all of the backs. Josh Allen has a higher average than him, so he leads the team. But, Steve, I need you to name seven of the top ten yards per carry bills in team history, minimum of 200 carries in their career. Now, notice I said bills, not running backs per se. Minimum 200 carries 200 in their carries. career. All right, I will say. I need seven of the top ten on the list. Is Josh on that list? Josh Allen is number two. 5.4 yards per carry in his career. All right, OJ. OJ is number four. 4.8 yards per carry. Cookie. Cookie is number six. 4.5 yards per carry. Therm. Therm is number 10. 4.2. Okay. So you are four for four here. What about uh, LaShawn? LaShawn is number nine, okay. 4.3, just ahead how of how many got? How many have I got? I'm like, you've got I'm money. You've got five out of five, man. You're killing it. I will say another guy from the past. I'll say Joe Cribs. Joe Cribs is not on this <sighs> list. Sorry to say. I will tell you, there is one, only one more old timer on the list. Everybody else is relatively current from this century. CJ? C.J. Spiller. Spiller, number three, yeah. five yards per carry. Remember, he had that one season in 2012. He averaged six yards per carry for the season. So I need one more. You need one more to I'd satisfy the seven out of Devin ten. Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary is number five all time. Thank you. Number five, 4.75 yards per carry. So number tied for 10th with Thurman. Ooh. Roland Hooks, okay. 4.2. Number eight, Kenny Davis, 4.4. Bless his heart. Number seven, Fred Jackson, 4.4. I was going to get to Fred. Number one all time with an average of 5.57 yards per carry. 
Tyrod Taylor. Oh yeah. Number one. one. That's a good one. I, that wouldn't I would never have gotten Tyrod. So Tyrod and Josh, one and two on the yeah, list. That's the way it goes. They, they barely they don't make, have they as many qualify. They don't qualify. They barely qualify. Yeah. Yeah. If they had played a while. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. So good job in the numbers game there, Steve. We move along to that our been my best numbers game ever. That well, that was very good. You you started out of the blocks five for five. Yeah. And I think you were seven for eight uh when all was said and done. We move along to our one burning question. We know if the Bills beat the Patriots in New England, they are the likely division winner in the AFC East as they would move ahead of New England in the standings with a victory. If they lose, however, the division title is out of play. So one burning question this week is, if Buffalo should lose on Sunday, do you think the Bills still get in as a wild card, Steve? I think yes. Yes. Um, because of, yeah, I do, because I think they'll be able to sweep the last two games. They'll get to Atlanta and the Jets. They'll get to 10 wins. I think that's the, the number seven teams in the playoffs is really going to help them with three wild cards. And the way I've seen it play out, there's just so many different combinations that still get the bills in. Uh, Baltimore is very important to that. Pittsburgh's very important to that, Vegas, but also uh, the Chargers and Indianapolis up there. All the way, the way all that plays out um, with who has to play who yet, particularly in the AFC North, I think it still gets the Bills in. Right. That, I think that's the saving grace for the Bills. They have Atlanta and the Jets left to play, so one AFC conference game left. But if you lose to the Patriots – it's probably nail-biting time for a lot of Bills fans because while 10-7 and 7 may be good enough, I think you and I agree that there could be one, possibly two, 10-7 and 7 teams in the AFC that do not get in. Right. It is going to come down to tiebreakers. Conference record is the important one there. So <laughs> if the Bills lose to the Patriots and then beat the Jets, they finish 6-6 six and six in the conference. That's a dangerous place to yes, be, knowing conference record is the second tiebreaker after head-to-head with non-division opponents in your conference. You're right. A lot of those AFC North teams do have to play each other over these final three weeks of the season. So, too, do some of the AFC West clubs. And, yeah, and, so, and most of those clubs, like from Vegas, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Buffalo, uh, Pittsburgh and Vegas, the 9 and 10 seeds, already have four conference losses as well. And if the Bills go, to, they'll go to six and six yeah. in the conference. It's tricky. Right. It's tricky. It's, it becomes very, very narrow, the margins. Yeah. You know. So it, <laughs> hold on to your hats, people. <laughs> Simply put, because this thing is not far... a given. If they get beat by the Patriots, it is not a given that they are, they're no. going to get in. No, it's not. They're going to have to start scoreboard watching and hope this team beats that team and that team you beats this team. need some help in all likelihood. No question about it. But I'll say this. If they do get in, they got a chance. They have a chance. Um, because they still are very talented. And by that time, and who knows what the future holds, but their offensive line may get a chance to play a couple of games together, and they may get that boost that you see teams get at the end of the regular season where they find something and they can ride it all the way in. Yeah. And that's where the, I think the Bills might Gotta be get with hot their offensive, with the their right offensive line coming back and getting healthy. 
they have a chance to do that. Yeah. Got to hope they can get hot. At but the they've right got to get in. Like, yeah. Because they may first. not. That's job one. Certainly job one. All right. Time to make our free picks with FanDuel's high-low game, where you could have a chance to win a million dollars. Just go to FanDuel.com, scroll to their free-to-play section. There you'll find their high-low pick'em game, where you pick teams in four different statistical categories, pick them all correct, and you could win a million dollars. Steve and I will make our picks now for Week 16, and Steve gets us started with high-low for points. High-low for points. The high for points, I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers playing the Houston Texans for obvious reasons. I think they're, the, the Chargers feel like they've got to hit the gas to stay in the playoff race. And the Houston Texans, I think they've had about enough of this season. They're ready to call it quits. <laughs> Low for wow. points. I, it's a, it's a it pick them toss-up for me. I'm going to go with New Orleans against Miami. Miami's defense is playing really well. I don't think Miami's offense is going to be able to score, so New Orleans is not going to be under this desperation mode. I think this could be a, a 9-6 to six game. I'm well, thinking New Orleans. They is, won 9 nothing last week. Right, so I think that's going to happen again for New Orleans. All right. High for passing yards. The play for me is the L.A. Rams. They're up against a Vikings defense that is terribly inconsistent. They're 29th against the pass. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup are going to eat them alive. So Rams high for passing yards. Low for passing yards. I'm going with your Chicago Bears, Steve. It's been a weekly struggle for Chicago on offense. Justin Fields isn't getting a lot of help from his head coach. So despite facing a weak defense in Seattle, I feel good about <laughs> Chicago. Feel good about Chicago sucking again. That's right. Okay, that's excellent. Okay, for me, high in rushing <laughs> yards. I'm going to go. There's only one answer here. The Philadelphia Eagles. Seven games this season of 175 rushing yards. They had over 200 yards this last weekend. They've got the lame duck Giants. Fly, Eagles, fly, baby. The high in rushing yards is your Eagles. Okay. What do you got for the low? For the low, I'm going to go with your New York football Jets. They've had trouble running the football all year. They've, they've been inconsistent, even though they've got you know the Jaguars. I just don't uh, – Jacksonville has fared well against teams that struggle to run the ball. They're pretty good at stopping it against teams who can't run it to begin with. So I think the Jets are exactly that. Okay. High for sacks, I'm taking the Rams again. Minnesota's offensive line struggled last week against the Bears. Von Miller is starting to get in a groove, working with Aaron Donald up front for the Rams, so I think they'll cause some big problems for the Vikings' protection scheme. Low for sacks, I've got the Giants. Jalen Hurts has great escapability. I think their run game will keep New York's defense honest. Giants are 27th in the league in sack percentage, so Giants low on sacks. That will do it for this edition of Bills by the Numbers. Be sure to subscribe so you know when our next episode drops. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll see you next week.